Hey, this is Micah Bosworth. I'm the pastor here at Ridgepoint, and this is our sermon podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. Hope this is an encouragement to you. Hope it helps to build your faith. And I hope it helps you to see that God is working in your life. Enjoy the message. Hebrews chapter 11, starting in verse number one, this is what the Bible says. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good report. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made by things which do appear. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just come before you, before we even get into the message, and we ask God, would you speak to us? Lord, through your word, would you use it to Uh, challenge and encourage our hearts to do just what the writer of Hebrews is challenging these readers to do, Lord, to live by faith. Would you clarify some things in our minds this morning? Lord, would you uh, give us insight into how we might live by faith so that we might honor and please you with the way that we live? And we pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. If uh, If you talk to many people today, or you, uh, yeah, honestly, if you just looked online at what people are posting today, you would find that there are a lot of people in our world who are living in a state of hopelessness. That they're living in a state, really a, a, a sense of despair at the condition of the world or at uh, policies that are taking place in our country or at what other people are uh, doing to them or what other people are not even doing to them, just doing that they don't like. I mean, you just see it all throughout the world, and there seems to be this sense of, of despair or of hopelessness around in many people's lives. And the, the reason I bring that up is because uh, the state in which we see a lot of people in today's world was the state in which the people, the writer of Hebrews, was writing to. Uh, he, he was writing, and we see this sum from chapter number 10, that these Christians, they were uh, on the brink of quitting. They, they were on the brink, some of them, of turning away from the faith. They didn't think that this Christian life was worth it. They, they were ready to turn away. It, it didn't seem to be working out for them. And so uh, the writer of Hebrews begins to speak to them about faith. And he says some things uh, specifically to them, like some will turn away. You'll see this take place. Some will ultimately give up. Some will quit. But you need to have faith. And specifically, he talks about patience or endurance. And he says this in the, a few verses leading up to it. So I want us to read chapter 10, verses 35 through 39. You may have been with us at the beginning of the year when I preached through this specific part that kind of leads into our thought for this series. But what the writer of Hebrews says in chapter 10, starting in verse 35, is this is what he says to them. He says, some people are going to be turning away, but this is what you should do. Cast not away... Therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense for reward. For ye have need of patience. Remember that word patience when we see it in Scripture often is talking about not like what we would call long-suffering or waiting on someone, but endurance, enduring through something. We saw that in the book of James, uh, that he said uh, the trying of our faith works out endurance. It works out patience. So the writer of Hebrews is saying something very similar. He's saying you need endurance after ye have done the will of God. You might receive the promise. 
For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. Now that might sound familiar to you if you were with us in our study of the book of Habakkuk because it's a direct quote from that. The writer of Hebrews just changes one word. Instead of it will not tarry, he says he will not tarry. Speaking of the coming of the Lord. So he applies it to that and he says this. Now the just, the righteous, they shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them which draw back into perdition or into a life of destruction. He says, we are of them that believe to the saving of the soul. So what is the writer of Hebrews saying? He's saying, I'm writing to you so that you don't throw in the towel. That's really what I'm writing here, that you need endurance. And then he throws in that, that little zinger that we see all throughout the New Testament that the, the righteous or the just, they should live by faith. So whatever faith is, the writer of Hebrews says this, that it should be a lifestyle of those who claim to have been declared righteous. So those who are saved, faith, whatever it is, okay, faith is a lifestyle, not just an event. That's really where he's going with this, is that this is something that should be the, the modus operandi of the Christian is faith. Whatever faith is, that should be the modus operandi of your life. Faith, it's not just a concept that you visit at times, it's a lifestyle that you possess and live out, is really what the writer of Hebrews is saying. And he says, the righteous that live by whatever faith is, they get to see God in action. He says they receive the promise. That's, that's what he says there in those few verses. So the question when we see that, when we hear that, should be this. First of all, am I living by faith? If those who live by faith are the ones who endure and the ones who see the promises of God, the working or the action of God on their behalf, then I have to ask myself, am I living by faith? But it begs another question. What even is faith, right? Live, living by faith, okay, I know I should do that, but what is faith? And I hope that we'll see it as we evaluate these first three verses of, the, of chapter number 11, to see what really faith is and then how it works out in our lives. And the first thing I want us to see in verse number one is the essence of faith, okay? It's not really a definition as much as it is a description of faith here. So that's why I say the essence, not necessarily the definition of it, but the essence of faith uh, is what we see in verse number one when he says that faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen. Now, before we get into the, what, uh, what the writer of Hebrews describes faith as, I want to talk about, first of all, what faith is not. Okay, a lot of people have ideas about what faith is, and the truth is that faith is not what a lot of people think faith is. First of all, faith is not blind optimism. Some people think that, uh, you know, it'll all work out. Just have faith. Right, like it's just some blind optimism and we should have optimism in accordance with the scripture, what God says, but it's not just blind optimism to have a positive attitude about everything. That's not what faith is. Faith also is not just positive confession. So some would say that whatever the mind can believe and conceive, it can achieve, 
right? And, and you speak that out. You speak a positive confession. And really, there's nothing inherently wrong with with declarations in and of themselves in our men's Bible study, we've actually uh, looked through in the book that we were reading of writing down declarations, but the important caveat is this, that the declaration has to be tied to the truth of God's word. It's not just some positive concoction of our imagination. Uh, It's something that is tied to something greater than just uh, our mere words that we can put together. So, Faith is not just positive confessions that we come up with in our mind. Faith is also not a feeling. Faith is not a feeling. Some people uh, would see faith as, well, I feel uh, something about another thing. And and in fact, what I was thinking about that just popped into my head was the musical Oklahoma. Anyone seen that musical, Oklahoma? Uh, what, what does he say? He says this. He says, oh, what a beautiful morning. Oh, what a beautiful day. I've got a beautiful feeling everything's going my way, right? And so I, I have this feeling that everything's going to work out. And some people would mistakenly identify that feeling that everything's just gonna work out as faith. That's not what faith is. Faith is not a feeling because feelings change based upon the information that is given and information is constantly changing, right? And, and situations are constantly changing. But faith is something that is tied to something much deeper, Another thing that faith is not is faith is not the absence of doubt. Some people would say that doubt is the opposite of faith, that if there's doubt in your life that you aren't displaying faith. But the truth is, doubt is not the opposite of faith. Doubt is something that comes up that allows faith to happen and to grow. You just have to make sure to keep doubt as a noun, is how I heard one man say it. He says, Doubt as a noun comes up all the time. I see that all the time in my life. Doubts come up as a noun. But when I start to live in doubt, I'm now doubting. It's a verb. The instant becomes a verb, that's when there's a lack of faith in my life, when I'm living in doubt. But doubts in and of themselves are not, uh, are not the opposite of faith. Faith is actually displayed despite doubts many times, as we saw in the book of Habakkuk. Like, I don't even know what God's doing, but I'm placing my faith in who I know that he is. So faith is not the absence of doubt. It, it is something that springs up often because of doubt. It chooses belief even amidst doubts. Another thing that faith is not is faith is not the absence of fear. I, I uh, originally was going to uh, title the series that we were going through, Fearless. And then I started to think about it and I said, but faith, it doesn't mean that we're fearless. <laughs> Sometimes, in fact, I think the, uh, one of the psalmists said it this way, what time I am afraid, like it comes up that I am scared, he then says this, he says, I will trust in you. What time I am afraid, I will trust in you. So faith is not the absence of fear, it's the presence of trust in my life in the midst of fear. So faith is not the absence of fear. It's the presence of trust in the midst of fear. And then the last thing that I have here that faith is not is faith is not merely belief despite or contrary to evidence. Some people would say, well, uh, faith means that even if the evidence shows me differently that I just, I just believe anyways. 
right? Uh, That's not what faith is. In fact, oftentimes faith is bolstered by evidence. We'll talk about that in just a second uh, as we see in verse number three what the writer of Hebrews says, that oftentimes we can, uh, in fact, it's called apologetics, that we defend the faith, what we place our faith in, through evidence. Uh, I mean, you look at even the pinnacle of the Christian faith, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, then Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, there were many infallible proofs of it. it he says he was, he was shown to s- several different people after he had died, one of them being his brother, men, some of them being the apostles. And then he says, and about 500 other people just saw Jesus after his death. There were people that were there to proclaim testimony, proof that Jesus had risen from the dead. And as a result of that proof or that testimony, then people put their faith in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So oftentimes faith is bolstered by evidence. It's not just merely a belief despite any evidence, all right? So that, that, those are some things that, first of all, we have to understand that faith is not. So, okay, faith is not a lot of things. What is faith? Well, the, the verse tells us that Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Two things here that are uh, described as faith. Now, as I said a moment ago, this isn't like a full theological definition of faith, but it is the essence of faith. This verse, uh, it's been paraphrased this way to give us uh, some insight, is that uh, faith is the confident assurance that what we hope for, or that word hope, what we expect, will happen. He says this, the evidence of things we cannot yet see. So I, I don't know if you're catching what this verse is saying, but it's explaining to us first that faith has substance. Faith is substantive, is what he is telling us. It's a firm and solid assurance. It's a foundation that we stand upon. The the Greek word used here for substance comes from actually two Greek words. That means this, to set underneath. So in other words, it's something that you can stand firm upon this ground. It's not something that you just come up with in your own imagination. Faith, true biblical faith, has a solid substance that you can stand upon. One man uh, named uh, John Patton, a missionary to the, uh, the New Hebrides Islands, uh, while he was there, he was trying to translate in their language the book of John. And as he was trying to translate it, he was trying to figure out the right word for faith or believe or to trust. And he couldn't find the right word in his understanding. And so... Uh, He was thinking and thinking and it eventually came to a point where he was in his chair behind a desk and he had uh, one of the servants that was there, uh, one of the workers sitting there in the same room and he says to him, what am I doing? And the the man ends up saying, you know, he's he's kind of leaning his weight on all the chair and the man says to him, you're sitting in a chair. He goes, okay, yeah, 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 but, but what am I, what am I doing? And he like kind of does that whole, you know, you prop up and you balance yourself on a chair on like the back two legs and everything. And the, the word in their language that the man used was a word that meant this, to put all of your weight upon. So he was saying, the put, you're putting all of your weight on the chair. 
And so this man, John, John Patton, he said, that's the word I'm going to use to translate. So if you were to read in their language that uh, translation of John 3.16, it says that uh, whosoever puts all of their weight upon him shall have everlasting life. So, so that's the idea here that faith, uh, a faith having substance, something that is sure that we can put all of our weight upon. There's substance to our faith. And the evidence of things not seen, it, it, it's a, the same thing, but it's up a notch. The word means a satisfying conviction. So it goes beyond just a belief in something of substance, but a conviction. And the idea here is that the faith acts upon the confidence of the substance that it is placing its faith upon. It's, it's acting upon that confidence even if they don't fully see it. So faith is tied to substance that is not yet seen or experienced with the five senses, all right? This, this is what it's trying to tell us, that faith is uh, is tied to a substance that's not yet seen or experienced with the five senses, but that you are convinced is real based upon the integrity of the subject calling for the faith. All right? I'm, I'm, I'm dwindling this down. We're going to get a simple definition in a second, okay? But follow me. He says that it's tied to a substance that isn't seen or experienced with five senses, but that you're convinced is real based upon the integrity of the subject who is calling for the faith. So, who is the subject calling for our faith? God is, right? God is the one calling for us to have faith. So living by faith is making decisions based upon the integrity of God. Making decisions in my life based upon the integrity of God. So when you don't exercise faith, when you don't exercise trust, you're actually challenging God's integrity. In essence, you're saying this, God is a liar. When I do not display faith, I'm essentially saying God is a liar because I'm put, uh, bringing into question his integrity. So let, let me say it this way, okay? Uh, faith, this is the, the most simple way of saying what this idea is saying, okay? And this is it. Faith is acting like, living as if God is telling the truth. That's what faith is. Acting like or living as though God is telling the truth. Not merely saying that God is telling the truth, not merely thinking that God is telling the truth, but acting, living your life as if God is telling the truth. So what God has said affects not just my head or my heart, but also my hands. It affects my actions, the way that I live. So uh, the, the reality is this, God is real. God has power. God has given promises, but those things are essentially unseen, right? Uh, essentially, they're unseen. However, when I live by faith, when I act as if those things that are unseen are true, then I begin to actually see and experience those things. So if I, I can't fully see the promise of God, 
that I see in his word, but I live in accordance with that promise as if it is telling me the truth, then as I live in accordance with that truth, I begin to experience that promise as true. So we act in accordance with what God has said as if it is true, and we begin to experience it as, as it is really true. If you don't put that fake into action, though, then those unseen truths lie dormant in your life, even though they are really there and they are really true. So Tony Evans says it this way. This is how he described everything together. He says this, faith is acting like it is so, even when it's not so, in order that it might be so, simply because God said so. All right? Faith is acting like it is so, even when it's not so, in order that it might be so, simply because God said so. So what is faith? Essentially, faith is this, living in a way that displays, I believe, what God says is true. Living in a way that displays that I believe what God says is true. And what that implies then is that we know what God says. So how can we live by faith, acting as if what God says is true, if we don't know what God says? Maybe that's why the Apostle Paul in the book of Romans says that faith comes by hearing, by hearing the word of God. How does faith come about in our lives? How can we live in accordance with what God has said as if it's actually true if we don't know that what God has said? So faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. We hear what God says and then from hearing it, we live our lives as if everything God says is true. So we understand the essence of faith, living out a life that displays I believe what God says is true. But what is the effect of faith? What takes place in my life as a result of living as if uh, in a way that displays I believe what God says is true? Well, verse number two says it this way, for by it the elders obtained a good report. For uh, by it, what? Faith, the elders, the ones who came before obtained a good report. What does that mean? Well, it could mean one of two things. And I think it means both, okay? Uh, as I was looking at this, it, it could mean one or two things. When I was translating these verses from the Greek uh, early in the sermon study, I, I, I love to do that just because it's fun. Read it in the Greek and then translate it. This is how I translated it. Uh, and I had to go two different ways because one word means two different things. The first way is this. For in this faith, the ancients testify. Okay, that word uh, that is in our translation here, uh, obtained a good report, could be translated just this, testify. But it could also be translated this way. For in this faith, those of old were commended or were approved. So the, the word translated there, obtained a good report, can mean both to show witness or to testify, and it can also mean to be approved or commended. So it could be saying that in this faith, the people of old, the ones that we're going to see listed out in the entire chapter, they testify to the truth of verse 1. 
They testify to the truth with their lives of faith. They give us testimony, their witnesses to the truth that we can also live in a way that acts as if what God has said is the truth. We can live our lives in line with what God says because they did. And, and we see how their lives were blessed as a result. But it could also mean this, that, uh, that they left, so that's, that essence is this, they left us a good example to follow. The other essence of the word is this, it could be saying that they have a good testimony before God, that they're approved or commended by God. So it's not talking about uh, gaining acceptance by God. We already know from other scriptures that when one, when one is saved, when one accepts Jesus Christ as their Savior, that they are accepted in the beloved, is how it's worded in Ephesians, that we are accepted in Christ Jesus. What this is speaking to is not about gaining more acceptance with God, but that what we do dishonors or displeases or pleases God. So my children are loved and accepted by me no matter what they say or do, right? But not everything that they say or do is commended or approved of by me, right? Sometimes you're, you hear your kids say something, you go, who taught you that? We don't say that in this house, okay? Uh, so, so not everything that they say or do is approved by me, but no matter what they say or do, they are accepted by me. So as children of God, nothing that we say or do could ever change our acceptance from our Father, but the truth of the, re the, truth of the reality is this, that the way that we live could be displeasing to our Father. And on the flip side, could be pleasing or approved by our Father. So that's an important distinction to make because living a life of faith is living for the approval of God. The truth is, living a life of faith, you won't always be approved by everyone else. In fact, there will be some people who completely disapprove of your life because you live by faith. They may not cheer you on or encourage you. You may not have their vote of approval, but if you live by faith, you'll have God's approval. Just as the people of old, the writer of Hebrews said, they did. They had testimony to us to see, and they had approval, commendation by God because of their faith. And you look at that list, as I mentioned a moment ago, the people in this list is kind of amazing. I mean, I, I, there's a prostitute in this list. There is. There's a murderer in this list. There's a liar in this list. An adulterer in this list. There's a proud and vengeful person in this list. There's a lot of messed up people in this list of people who displayed faith. And what that tells me is, man, I can also be approved by God even when I mess up because I can display faith and move forward in my life. And that should be good news to us that we see those kind of people in this li list because these were everyday people who lived and struggled with sin just as we do, but when God looks at their life, he sees faith because they displayed faith in him. And so the effect of faith is this, God's vote of approval and a testimony to others that look at your life, that faith is, uh, that faith 
is, a, is something that God blesses. And that's something that God is pleased by. So when we live by faith, the effect is God's approval upon our lives and a testimony to those that look at our lives. So the writer of Hebrews is telling us that when we live by faith, as these Old Testament saints did, the effect is a life that's approved by God, that pleases God, and in turn gives testimony to future believers that a life of faith is the way to live. But then notice in verse number three, he gives an example He gives an example of faith that is specific to these Hebrew believers, but that we can also see in our lives as well. What does he say in verse number three? He says, through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made by things which do appear. Now, the first thing I noticed there is it doesn't say world singular. It says worlds, plural, which uh, if you look at the word tells us this. He's not just talking about earth He's talking about the universe. Everything that we see in the galaxies and the galaxies beyond us that we can't see, God created, framed by his very command is what he tells us here. He says, you Hebrews that he's writing to, you already have a certain kind of faith. That's his example here. You already believe that God created the universe. You believe this even though you weren't there when it happened. The, The only reason that you're certain of it that you rely on it is because it has been revealed to you. He says, the word of God tells you that God created it all. It was revealed to you. You weren't there when it happened. Therefore, you are taking that certainty of that account of how everything came into existence by faith, believing and living in a way that says what God has said is true. That's what he's telling them. How do we know that the world was created? How do we today know? Do we know that by scientific observation? No. We weren't there when it happened, right? Does anyone know anyone who was there when it happened? No? I don't either, right? No one was there when it happened. I, I mean, I know God. Some of you are like, well, I know Jesus, right? There's always one. But, uh, but uh, we don't know anyone living today that was there when it happened. So we can't take it by scientific observation, uh, that the world was framed by God? Do we, do we understand the world was created by a laboratory experiment? Do we understand it by doing experiments in a lab? No, because uh, we can't replicate the original set of circumstances to observe it again and again and again and again. We, we can't do that in a laboratory. So there, there's no way to observe it by science, even a laboratory experiment. How do we know that, that the worlds were framed by God by his very command. How do we know that and how do we have certainty in that? The writer of Hebrews tells us this. We know that by faith, through faith. It, it, it is something we believe by faith. We believe it because it has been revealed to us by God. Genesis 1.1 tells us, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, a lot of believers, they are unbelievers, rather, like to discredit Christianity when we begin to talk like this about creation. They, they think it's simplistic. That's just too simple that it was all created by God. You're just simple-minded people that just believe that. But the truth is, Genesis 1-1 is a very precise and interesting uh, 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 statement that really neatly sums up the truth. 
Uh, Back in 1903, a scientist by the name of Herbert Spencer said that everything in existence can be put into one of five categories. This is what he said. It can be put into one of five categories. Time, force, action, space, and matter. Everything in in existence can be put into one of those five categories. Time, force, action, space, and matter. Isn't it interesting that that's Genesis 1-1? In the beginning, time. God, that's force. Created, that's action. The heavens, that's space. And the earth, that's matter. And you see those five things. And it's faith that informs us that this actually took place. Now we can come to that faith, to that trust, in, uh, and, and have confidence in the origins of the universe through apologetic arguments. We can. We talked about one a couple of weeks ago when we looked at Psalm 19, the teleological argument, the argument from design that we look at anything in this earth and we see it as something beautiful or something manufactured together and we look at it and we go, wow, someone did that. We don't uh, think, well, man, some, right now while we're meeting outside in the parking lot, some dirt is coming together and forming rubber to make tires and a car is just going to be out there, brand new one for me when I get out there. We don't think that. Right? If we see a car, what do we think? There was an assembly line somewhere. What, when we see an assembly line somewhere, what do we think? Someone put together this assembly, si- assi- this assembly line. It, it just, the natural logical argument there then points to all of the intricacies of our universe and of our human bodies that there is something greater than ourselves that created all of this. But ultimately, what is informing our understanding of that is faith. But I would argue that all theories of origins of the universe and of mankind have to be taken in faith. It takes faith to believe that a bunch of gases came together, blew up, and created the universe as we know it, especially when you think of the fact that we can't replicate that in any way. But remember what verse 1 said. Faith has substance. And here's a truth to be reminded of this morning. Faith is only as substantive as the object in which that faith is placed. And if you're asking me personally this morning, I'd say a grand creator, a grand designer of all things is a much more substantive person to place my faith in than some cosmic accident is. Right? Especially, as I said, when you place or when you consider the order of the world and how nothing in this world becomes intricate and organized from chaotic explosion. But it does come to order when something bigger than it designs it or creates it. So the author of Hebrews, he appeals to this example of faith that these Hebrew readers already had to help motivate lives of faith in them. So we, we see faith being described here in this way, but it, it brings us back to that first question we asked. We asked, what is faith? But right before that, at the beginning of the message, I asked, are we living by faith? If this is supposed to be the way that we are living in our lives, are we doing so? And in one sense, the answer is yes. There is a sense in which all men live by faith. We drink water out of a faucet with perfect confidence that it's safe. We eat food in a restaurant, confident that it's not contaminated. 
We willingly receive our pay in the form of a check or paper money or digital transfers, none of which have any intrinsic value at all. We accept them because of our faith in the person or the company or the government that issues them. We put our faith in a surgeon and in medical science in general, though we may not have the least bit of training or competence or experience in medicine ourselves. But we submit to a surgeon's knife entirely by faith. See, the capacity for faith is created in us. So in one sense, someone might say, yes, I am living by faith because we all have the capacity to. So then let me rephrase the question and ask it this way. Are we living by biblical, spiritual faith? We all have the capacity to live by faith, but are we doing so in our spiritual lives? Well, let me first say, that you cannot do so if you have not been born again. See, just as natural trust comes by natural birth, so spiritual trust, spiritual faith, comes from a spiritual birth. Maybe you're here today and that's the first faith step you need to take, is to trust in Jesus Christ for the salvation of your soul. That's where this faith journey begins as you come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that you accept his payment on the cross for your sin, understanding you're a sinner, you cannot work your way to heaven on your own. But Jesus Christ was sent from God to make the payment for sin, to take upon himself the penalty of our sin, to die on the cross, but then to raise victorious from death in the grave to show us that he could be trusted and to show us that he truly is God so that we might then be able to place our faith, take the first faith step in understanding who he is and what he's done for us and accepting his free gift of salvation for us. Maybe you're here today and that's the first faith step you need to take. A life living by faith cannot take place unless that first step of spiritual birth has taken place in your life. That you have, by faith, accepted the gift of salvation. But then even after that, after that first faith step, the Bible tells us that we live by faith. This is the normal mode of living. The, the modus operandi of the Christian, to live or to walk by faith. But how does that look? How does that going to look in our lives? Well, let me illustrate it this way as we close. My girls, uh, Felicity and Ellery, I love this. <clears throat> Often they'll, they'll climb up on really tall things and they'll uh, yell, Daddy, catch me! And then they'll jump ready for me to catch them. But you know, it wasn't always like that. Uh, it, it used to be that I would get them and I would personally put them up on something high and then tell them to jump. And you know what their response was? Nope. Nope, not doing that. They didn't, they didn't trust that I was going to catch them. Even though I was telling them over and over, trust me, I won't let you fall. Jump, jump. Jump, I'll catch you. The problem was they weren't believing the words that I was speaking because they weren't confident at that point in my integrity. They weren't convinced I had either the will or the ability to catch them and they thought that I would let them fall. 
But after consistently doing it and consistently saying the same words, trust me, I'll catch you, I won't let you fall, jump, eventually they jumped. And, and once they learned that I really was going to not let them fall, I really was telling the truth, dad's word was truth, then they would get to the point where I would put them up on something and I'd say jump and they would jump. Now it's to the point where they, they go up on things, they find something tall and I just hear out of a random corner of my eye or something like that, I see someone flailing in the air saying, daddy, catch me. Like I don't even have my arms open or anything and they're already ready for me to catch them because the trust is there. They understand that dad said he's not gonna let me fall And so they act and live in a way as if what I have said, that I won't let them fall, that I'll catch them, that it is true. Friends, God has given us his word. And we'll see as we travel through the names of this chapter that what he has said is true. If there's any person of integrity with whom we can place fully our trust in, it's God. And when we do not live lives of faith, we are bringing into question God's integrity. But the truth is, he has proven himself time and time and time again. So my friends, jump. Put it into action. Live out a life that displays your belief in what he has said. Live in a way that says, what God has said, I believe it to be true, and because I believe it to be true, my actions, my life, what I, uh, decisions that I make, all of those things are going to be uh, lived out and acted out in correspondence with his word because I believe his word to be true. May each and every one of us today determine I'm going to live by faith. I'm going to act and live in a way that shows or displays that I believe that what God says is actually Thank you so much for joining us. A special thanks to those that give generously to our ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. For more information about our ministry, check out our website at wenatchechurch.com. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, you can share it with your friends, hit the share button or take a screenshot and share it on your social media and tag us at Wenatchee Church. Thanks again for listening. God bless.